We're doing our series of podcasts on the Ten Commandments. And last week we did number one, commandment number one, which we found in Exodus chapter 20, which says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. We talked about possible rivals for God last week and the danger of having anyone or anything rival God. And we talked about the importance of that commandment, which every other commandment is going to build on top of that first commandment, that we shall have no other gods before the one true God. Well, the next commandment is very similar to the first one. It's just going to build on top of what um, the first commandment already told us. And if we keep reading in Exodus 20, we get to it in the verses following that. And I'm just going to read verses 4 to 6. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. Otherwise, you can just listen. We're in Exodus 20. And the second commandment, this is what it says. In verse 4, it says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And even there at the end of verse 6, you can tell how important it is that God wants his people to keep his commandments. And we talked about last in our last podcast how I don't believe the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, are passed. I don't think they'll ever be passed. I don't think they'll ever be gone. I think they're meant for New Testament Christians. I think they're meant for God's people, no matter what generation those people are in. Therefore, I think the commandments are for us. And so we find the second commandment is very similar to the first commandment. It's building on top of the first one. It's further detailing what it would mean to have another God, to serve and worship another God. So again, our goal is not to just look at the commandments because I believe, hopefully, all of you guys have heard the commandments or seen the commandments. Our goal is to look at them in light of today as Christians here in the 21st century. How do we look at the Ten Commandments today? How do we obey the Ten Commandments today? That's our goal. And again, I want us to be able to look at these in a fresh light and, and link them as much as we can to our own lives and how that might uh, play out in our own lives if we weren't obedient to these commandments. And so the num number two, again, just to re restate it, is you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who keep, who love me and keep my commandments. So the commandment is this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, a graven image, some other translations say, you shall not make for yourself any likeness of anything that is in heaven or earth or in the water below the earth, and you shall not bow down to them and serve them. Well, this is a challenging one because <laughs> I stated in the last podcast, I don't know anyone who does that. 
I have never been tempted to create a carved image and then to bow down to that image and serve that image as if it was God. I, I, that has never crossed my mind, even in my strongest temptations, to do such a thing. Now, we know in the Old Testament this actually happened. You know, God, he says in the first commandment that he was the God that brought them out of the land of slavery. And that's exactly what happened. He brought the children of Israel out of the land of slavery and brought them into the wilderness and got them through the Red Sea. I mean, some incredible things happened because God was protecting his people. Uh, It was such a resume of love and protection. But something strange happened. These people got into the wilderness and they forgot the true God. They forgot what happened. They forgot what he did. They forgot who he was. They forgot his attributes. They forgot his goodness and his resume of love in their lives. And, you know, while Moses, and this is the ironic part, while Moses is up on the mountain getting these commandments from God, his people are down there bowing down and serving a golden calf that Aaron, priest Aaron, had made for them. And so, you know, Moses comes down from the mountain and finds his finds the children of Israel actually bowing down and serving this false God that they created with their own hands. And it's like they're calling that God and they're thanking that statue for its steadfast love. And how ridiculous is that? How evil is that? It's like, not only did you serve and worship a different God, you serve and worshiped a God that you made. You made this with your hands. And it's just so evil, so corrupt, so wicked. And obviously God was incredibly angry at that. And it says in this passage here in Exodus 20, that he's a jealous God. He's a jealous God. And that's one of those things I don't think we hear about a lot today. God is jealous. He's prone to jealousy. Jealousy is one of those things when I think about it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a bad character trait for for a lot of people. When they're jealous and they're prone to jealousy, that's not generally a good thing. I guess, again, unless it's warranted and someone gives them a reason to be jealous, I guess we could give them a pass then. But if someone, you ever just have a jealous boyfriend or a girlfriend or even a spouse who's just always prone to jealousy, always thinking the worst thing, that's typically not a good character trait. But obviously when it says that God is a jealous God, we know that God doesn't do anything without righteous reasons behind it. And so we have to think about that term jealous God. And I'm sure we all know what the term jealousy means, but I actually looked it up. I looked it up on dictionary.com and this is what the word jealousy means. It means a mental uneasiness from suspicion or fear of rivalry, unfaithfulness, as in love. A mental uneasiness from suspicion or fear for rivalry, unfaithfulness as in love as it's directed to someone or something. Think about that. So here's the the image that we have to sort of understand. God is jealous because when people are creating for themselves gods and giving their love and worship and service to those things, God is, has this mental uneasiness from suspicion or fear of rivalry and unfaithfulness. Okay, so he's the true God. 
the children of Israel made this golden calf and started bowing down to this golden calf and worshiping that. And God is incredibly jealous by that. And you would go, well, I, I mean, in your right mind, you would go, well, God, do you really need to be jealous? I mean, it's a golden calf. The golden calf isn't really going to steal love from you. I mean, it's not even, it's an inanimate object. Do you really need to be, be jealous, God? Yes. Yes, God has every right to be jealous because what was happening is they were actually giving to that statue what only God should have received. Only the true God should have received. And it was just so evil. And it says God was jealous. And he says, because I'm a jealous God and because you did that, or if you do that, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. This thing is so bad and so wicked. It's going to trickle down to generations who had no um, implication at this at all. This is actually going to affect generations way beyond this specific generation because this is so evil. And it's like, wow, that's incredibly jealous. That's incredibly angry that God was and God gets when people are doing this. But again, you have to understand the mind of God here to some degree. You have to understand maybe what he's going through. And so I need you to, again, imagine something with me. Now, I don't have to imagine this scenario because this is actually a reality in my life. But I need you to imagine that you have a spouse, okay? Not just a girlfriend or a boyfriend, that would work in a certain scenario too, but I need you to imagine that you have a spouse, a spouse that has committed themselves to you, a spouse that has declared in front of God and witnesses that they will be faithfully yours until the end. Okay? Because that's what marriage is. It's a covenant. It's a commitment. And it's supposed to be faithful love. So imagine you have this spouse and the spouse has declared to you and to God and to others that they are yours alone until the end. Okay. So in this scenario, you have the spouse and something tragic starts to happen. This spouse who has declared their love to you starts hanging out with another man or woman, hanging out, spending time with, which again, at first you may go, okay, well, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's kind of weird. But they start spending a lot of time with another person. They start hanging around that person a lot. They start texting that person. They start phone calling that person. They start whatever, Facebooking that person. And they're hanging out and spending a lot of time with that person. Okay, well, I, I don't want to be a jealous husband. But if my wife was doing that, that would be weird. That would be unnatural. I would start to get jealous. And in that kind of situation, that jealousy wouldn't be wrong. But let's say it even goes beyond just hanging out. Let's say this goes to intimate areas. And I'm not going to go into detail, but this goes into intimate areas. Your spouse starts spending intimate time with another person and starts giving their affection giving their love, giving their romantic feelings, giving even their faithfulness to this other person. And you find out about it. 
you find out about it either directly or indirectly that this is happening. This isn't some, you know, gossip or anything like that. This is actual facts of this happening. Your spouse spending intimate time with another person. Don't you think that you would be jealous? I mean, that's obvious, right? Of course you would be jealous. It would be weird if you weren't jealous. And in that setting, in that situation, that would be righteous jealousy because that person in marriage belongs to you. And they're giving their love and their affection to someone else. You have to understand what, a little bit of what is go, God is going on here. But it's not even just that. Because in marriage, we don't have a true picture of the love God has for us. You know, it's a close image. We try with marriage. We try to represent God in the church as much as we can. But again, you have to understand the immense love God has for his people. It goes well beyond any love a spouse could give to each other. God loves his people with an enormous love. A love that when it demanded the sacrifice of his one and only begotten son, he said, I'll send him. I'll send him to die. He will die in your place because I want to save you. So he does. He did it. It happened. Jesus came. Jesus obeyed. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. We know the gospel. It happened. And then because of that one significant, profound act, God reconciles his people back to himself. Those people are now, once again, in God's family, loved by God forever. I mean, faithfulness, a covenant love between God and his people. And he proved it. He proved it by doing the absolute most impossible thing ever is giving up his son so that he could love us. So now that we're his people, if we go and break the second commandment, which is have, giving a rival to God, it's evil. It's so evil. It's so bad. It's so hurtful to God. And God gets incredibly jealous if and when that happens. When his people, who he sacrificed for and loved over and over through sin after sin with mercy and forgiveness and grace, spend their time loving and worshiping something or someone else. May it never be. May it never be. See, but even in this commandment, something weird is taking place here because it's not just someone or something. It goes to the position of an inanimate object that you create. What? I can understand um, a spouse falling in love with another person, with a heart, with a mind, with a body. But what if your spouse started giving that to an object? How creepy and weird and gross would that be? They're not just loving another person. They're loving, loving another thing with love and affection and romance. Can you imagine such a thing? I can't imagine it. I can't. But that's exactly where you sort of have to go 
with us understanding of what God is commanding us here. It's so bad to give your love and affection to an idol, to a rival of God. We looked at that in the first commandment. Have no other gods before me, besides me. But in verse 4, in, in commandment number 2, he says, Don't make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or in the earth or in the water below the earth and then start serving and worshiping that. And again, you start thinking, well, that's incredibly silly. Who would do such a thing? But again, it happened back in the children of Israel. They did it. If you read the book of Daniel, um, King Nebuchadnezzar actually did this too. He made had a statue of himself made, this big, enormous statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. And every single person, when the trumpet sounded or whatever, they were supposed to fall down and worship this statue. And of course, three men decided they were not going to do it. They were not going to bow down to this inanimate object created by King Nebuchadnezzar and his men. And we know what happened. They were thrown into the furnace. God saved them. God spared their life. But every single person besides those three people bowed down and started worshiping and giving their praise and adoration to this statue. Oh, it was so gross. And, okay, so we know it happens biblically in the Old Testament. But it also happened in the New Testament. At least it, it, it was attempted to happen. In Matthew 4, um, it says Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You guys remember that passage? And the last temptation that the devil gives to Jesus before he flees is he asks Jesus to bow down to him. He said, listen, in verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Now again, the devil is not an inanimate object, but he is an idol. He is a rival. And even King Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, had to say no to that. Even in the midst of intense temptation, intense wilderness and hunger and pain and suffering, had to say, absolutely not, devil. I will give my love and my worship to only the one true God. Be gone, Satan. But we're trying to relate this to, to today. How would this happen today? How would it happen I am not a handy person. I do not have a lot of skills with my hands. I can't draw. I can't paint. I can't sculpt. I can't create anything. And not only that, even if I could, it would never enter into my mind to create something with my hands and then worship it. But I do think, even if you're not creating something with your own hands, this can happen in certain ways today. And I'll give you a couple examples. One obvious way, well, maybe it's not that obvious. One way that I kind of see this happening is in a lot of, you know, so-called religions, they have these sort of objects, objects of worship. And the interesting thing about it is they're even supposed to be of God, crosses and saints and, you know, relics and, and pictures and stuff like that that are supposed to represent God, and those are very sacred and holy things, supposedly. And, you know, people 
keep those things in their home and wear them and pray to them and hold them in high esteem. And God is going, never, 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 never do that. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Do not do that. (laughs) Do not make something, have something, have an object somebody made, and then put that thing next to me as if it's me. No. No. Don't do that. And you wonder why, God, why? It's a thing just representing you. We know it's not actually you. And I was reading a commentary by Matthew Henry, and the way he put it was was this way. He said, you're basically telling me that you're going to have an object that was made by human hands that is supposed to envelop God or represent God? Do you know how stupid and silly that is? God cannot be contained to any fashion by anything made by human hands. So not even a cross. Not even a picture of Jesus. Nothing can contain God. God is more big and more profound and more glorious than you can possibly imagine. So when you take something, you go, you know what? I know God is big, but I can't see God. I want something I can see. I want something that's going to represent God. So I'm going to make this thing and I'm going to act as if that is God. So I'm going to wear this cross or I'm going to have this picture of Jesus. No, don't do it. Do not do it. Is it always wrong to have a cross around your neck? I don't know because I, I don't know the hearts of the people who do those things. But may it never be that you are trying to hold God within an object or represent God by an object that man made with his own hands. Guys, it's just so bad. It's just so evil. It's just never meant to be. And when God sees people doing it, he gets jealous because you're actually now giving love and worship and devotion and adoration and praise and whatever else to an object that sinful man made with his hands. And God is going, are you kidding me? You're going to put that thing next to me and act as if we're similar? I am not similar to some man-made necklace of a cross. I'm not. I'm not similar to a, a picture of flowing lock Jesus. I'm not like that. I have nothing to do with a painting, nothing to do with a sculpture, nothing to do with a symbol. I am God. Don't you dare try to represent me or hold me or envelop me in an object. Okay, so that's one way. One way is to just start representing God in weird ways with objects and just don't do it. It's just bad. And it's exactly, I think, what the commandment is trying to advise us against. But I also think there's other more subtle ways than that. You know, I I, I mean, we're surrounded by objects. Um, you know, we use them for everything. I mean, everything we have today is, is a tool for something. I mean, we use tools all day long. We have possessions all around us. We're in America, which means we're fat and lazy, and we have possessions all around us. We're greedy and, and materialistic, and so there's just always stuff. And it's it's sometimes gets weird when some of that stuff that could be a tool and a, and a blessing to use back for God 
turns in to something we love and worship and serve and adore and praise and spend all our time thinking about. And I mean, I could, I could start making lists, but I'm, I'm trying to think of something that would kind of be what I'm talking about. Maybe a computer or a cell phone, maybe a TV, maybe a hobby, anything like that, that it's just an object. And again, those objects aren't necessarily bad. You know, unless you use them for evil, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you start giving your time and your love and your attention to an object made by human hands instead of a God that your heart and your hands and your mind were created for, it's so bad. And that can happen so subtly. And I, I'm holding a cell phone right now because this is what I'm using for my microphone. And so that's the one on my mind going, man, we are, you know, a culture that's saturated by cell phones. I mean, we can't go anywhere without these things. I mean, these things are a livelihood. You know, it's almost like I don't know how to function without my cell phone in my hand sometimes. It's, and it's like, man, do you, do you realize human hands made that thing? Do you realize that's an inanimate object? Do you realize, yeah, it can do some stuff, but there's not even close, not even on the spectrum of what God can do. And then sometimes we act like our cell phone is more important than God. We give it more time than we give to God. We give it more attention than we give to God. It's like, man, I'm so busy. I'm crazy busy, crazy busy. I just, I have no time to get into scripture today, but I have time to get on my cell phone today. It's, do you see how it happens so quickly and subtly? And God is saying in the commandment number two, don't make for yourself a carved image or don't have a carved image made or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Don't bow down to it. Don't serve it. I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God. I visit the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And again, hate is a strong word, but it's like that's what you're doing. When you're giving your love and attention to a rival of God, you're practically hating God. But in verse 6, he says, But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. When you are careful to serve and worship the only one true God, God gives you such love. He gives you such affection. He gives you such compassion such grace. When God sees someone that is careful to obey his commandments, he's going to go the extra mile. He's going to bend over backwards to help that person, to love that person, to aid that person in doing that thing. And it says, I think this is kind of cool. It says, I mean, verse five is kind of a negative thing. You know, he visits the iniquity and the fathers of the children to the third and fourth generation. I mean, that's probably dozens, maybe hundreds of people. But then in verse 6, he says, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who keep my commandments and love me. And it's like, yes, God is a jealous God. God hates evil. He hates wickedness. To be a holy God, he must. But he's also rich in love. He is rich in love. And when he sees someone who is determined to love and obey him and to keep his commandments, that, love, that God who is rich in love 
is going to extend that love as far as possible so that those people in their lives are aided by God's power and strength and love to do exactly what they want to do, which is love and obey God. And I need you to think about this today. I need you to think about, is it possible that you and I ever struggle with this? Ever struggle with giving to something or even someone what only belongs to God? And we can try to justify it. We can just justify it. It's, you know what? It's just a tool. It's just something I need. It's just something I use. It's just something that I is handy to enhance my life. Okay. But check it. Check to make sure that you're not giving to that thing which belongs to God. And if you are, you're breaking the second, second commandment. In fact, you're probably breaking both first and second commandments. Because the first commandment says, have no other gods before me. Same thing. And I want each of us to think and do an inventory of our life right now and go, you know, what are those things that I'm giving all my love to? Giving my affection to? Giving my devotion to? Giving my allegiance to? What are those things I think about all the time? I find it that I can leave the house and go to a church service without my Bible. But I don't go anywhere without my cell phone. You know, I mean, it's it's that kind of thing. And I know the devil wants us to think, hey, listen, you're not doing that. That's not at all what you're doing. And he doesn't want us to look. He doesn't want us to check to make sure that we are serving the only true God. But I'm asking you to check. I'm asking you to be honest and to search your life and heart and go, who am I really serving with my life and my heart and my time and my praise and my worship and my service? Is it God? And if it's not, we need to repent. We need to confess that it hasn't been either for a long time or for a season, and we need to get back with God, serving and loving only him, only him, because he is a jealous God. And when a God full of that much power and strength gets jealous, that is not a God you want to find yourself against. But when a God that is full of that much strength and power and you find yourself on the loving side of that God, the love is immense. It's deep. It's real. It's incredible. It's overflowing. And in one simple thing changes that fact. Obey his commandments. Love him and obey his commandments. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Next time we'll look at commandment number three. And I ask you tonight to do whatever you can to stay loyal and faithful to the God who brought you out of slavery and set your feet upon dry ground through Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening.